We are in the middle of a series, actually this is the second week of it, of a series called God Is. We're looking at the characteristics of God, what makes God, God. And uh, today we're going to look at something specific of God being the Spirit. And um, I'm going to get into that in just a few minutes. Uh, when I was growing up, I had this really awesome friend named Adam. And Adam was re- lived really close to me. He lived um, on the street behind me, so I would hurdle my fence because um, I was really a lot more agile then. And so I would jump over my fence and, and go behind the neighbor's yard in front behind us and then go across and into their street and then go see Adam. Now, we didn't have Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, Snapchat and all the other crazy things that we have nowadays. So the only way we could see each other is to actually see each other, like literally face to face or on the phone. Uh, so while I was growing up as a kid, um, I would go over to his house and hang out. We'd have sleepovers. We'd, we'd sleep overnight. We'd do crazy stuff. We'd stay up all night long and then sleep until whenever. And, um, he, he was a really cool kid. And, but next to his house, there was this, there was this house and it was one of those really eerie places as a kid. It, it, the grass was always really long. The shrubs were never trimmed. The paint was always peeling. Some, it just wasn't a, a kept up place. And we never saw anybody ever come out of that house. And so we, we would play um, different games in his backyard, baseball and soccer and stuff. And um, their lawn became part of our lawn because we, we would kind of, we'd take a, little, a couple risks and go a little bit into their lawn to use it. And then no one would say anything. So then, you know, next time we'd go a little bit further and no one would say anything. No one's coming out telling us, get off the lawn, you know. So, uh, so we would just keep doing Now, after enough time, their whole lawn was our lawn. We just, we used it as if it was ours because no one said anything. We never saw anyone. To all I knew, no one lived there. And so um, we just kept doing this all the time. So their lawn became our lawn. And then the moment happened. It happened. We were under this pine tree that we used to hang out in and play our matchbox cars in the dirt under this pine tree at Adam's house. And we hear a door creak open. And we both look at each other like, oh my gosh, something's coming out. It was a something. At that point, it wasn't a someone yet. It was a something was coming out of that house. And so we, we both look at each other and we're both really excited and really nervous. I literally remember this. Like I couldn't believe that I could hear a noise coming from this house that I have never seen or heard or anything. Actually, at one point at night, we, see, we would see silhouettes. So we knew someone was in there, like vampires maybe. I don't know. Maybe they're only up at night. We, who knows? As a kid, your, things go crazy. So uh, so the door opens, we're a little scared, and we wouldn't have been surprised if an alien walked out, uh, but it wasn't an alien. In fact, it was just this normal guy, dressed up in a suit, looks like he's going to a funeral or a wedding or something, an elderly, elderly gentleman, and uh, he gets, uh, his car pulls out of the garage, and he drives away, and then he waved at us. We didn't know what to do. We're like, ah, what just happened? He just wait. So we never saw him again. That was it. I don't even know if he came back home. He never, we never saw him come back. We never saw him again in our whole lives. So the only experience I had with this guy was this really weird, eerie, creepy moment of him kind of waving at us as he drives by. And we've come up with all sorts of scenarios of what goes on in that house. And so there he is. We don't know which scenario is right. We can't talk to him. And I think here's the thing about the Holy Spirit. When we think about God as the Holy Spirit, I think sometimes we think of the Holy Spirit as that guy. He's this creepy dude that does weird stuff and we're really not sure what to do with him. And so we kind of alleviate ourselves from having to get involved with him because, and he is a him, he is not an it. Uh, He is a person of the Godhead, a person of the Trinity of God. 
And I think that he's, if we're going to talk about the character of God, if we're going to talk about who God is, I think one of the most remarkable things that we can focus on as a church is to focus on God as the Holy Spirit, uh, because he um, actually does way more than may, you may even realize in our lives. And he has um, a lot to say about who we are as we grow up uh, as Christians, as we even become a Christian. He is a major element in that. As we grow as Christians, he is the major element of that. And so as we seek to learn more about God, um, we're going to look at two main tasks, two main roles that the Holy Spirit plays. So the first role the Holy Spirit plays is that he convicts us. Now, if you're, I, I wasn't cool like Pastor Bard, and I don't have notes in your, um, in your bulletin for you, but if you, have, if you are a note taker, this would be a great place to take notes. Um, so he, the first thing is the Holy Spirit convicts us. And I want to look at uh, John 16, 5 through 11. And it says this, it says, but now I, and this is Jesus speaking, but now I, Jesus, am going away to the one who sent me. And not one of you, he's talking to his disciples, not one of you is asking where I'm going. Instead, you grieve because of what I've told you. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away. Because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict. This, this is where it gets really good. It, when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin. He will reveal the, uh, the right, God's righteousness and he will, con- he will reveal the coming judgment. So that's, the, that's one of the roles of the Holy Spirit. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me, who is Jesus. Uh, righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. And judgment will come because the ruler of this world has already been judged. And he's talking about our enemy, Satan. Uh, This is a really interesting conversation Jesus has with his disciples. First of all, he's preparing their hearts. Listen to this. He's preparing their hearts to deal with the fact that he's heading back home. He spent the last three and a half years uh, pouring himself into their lives, teaching, rebuking, leading, healing, doing all the things that he came to do to provide evidence that he really was who he says he was and so that people would follow him. And he's got this following. And now he's saying, now that you've invested all your time in me, now that you follow me, now that you trust in me, I'm out of here. Now, if I was the disciples, I'd be like, uh, time out, Jesus. Um, who's the advocate? Because I don't know him. And I'm not sure if I want to be his friend because you're the guy I trust, not this. Other. It'd be like if you have a real, it'd be like Adam, my friend Adam in the beginning of the story. It'd be like him going, hey, Mike, we're real, we're besties. I mean, we're best friends. We didn't even have that term back then, but whatever. So we're best friends, right? So, but Mike, I, I'm leaving, but I picked out a really cool friend for you to have. And he's going to be my replacement. So when I leave, you can hang out with him. I'd be like, what? I don't know anything about this guy. Like, I know everything about you. I don't know who this dude is. What if I don't like him? What if we don't get along? What if he smells? What if he doesn't, what if he picks his nose and wipes it on me? I don't know. As a little, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't really know. So this is what Jesus is saying. He's saying, guys, I'm leaving, but I'm going to supply you with a replacement so you're not alone. Now, for them, that probably came as a, as a pretty significant shock. Um, so he says, but he says something very unique and very intriguing that we have to understand. He says, it is best for you that I go away. He says, it is best. Now listen to what they're trading. They are trading a physical representation of God, Jesus, blood and flesh, flesh and blood right in front of them. They can touch him, see him, hear him, everything. He is right there in front of them in the flesh. And he is saying that instead of seeing and hearing and everything else and experiencing me in the flesh, it is better that I go and you experience this new way of experiencing me as God through the Holy Spirit, who was the advocate. 
Now, the question, the most powerful question we have to ask ourselves and the most powerful question that the disciples had to ask themselves that they were confronted with is, do we believe him? I don't know if any of you, I have asked myself um, at different points in my Christian walk, I wish I could just sit in front of Jesus. I wish I could just have Jesus in front of me and just have a one-on-one conversation with Jesus in the flesh and just talk to him and ask him questions and have him speak to me. But he said himself right here, that's not what's best for you, Mike. He would say to you, that's not what's best for you. What's best for you is that I go and die, take the sins of the world, return to the Father, and as it says in the word of God, that he is interceding for us, he is praying for us on behalf of us because of his death and resurrection, we can now be found not guilty in Christ when we come to him. And it's better for me to do that than to stick around. It's better for me to supply the way back to the Father and then give you this guy who is called the Holy Spirit to take my place, to follow and to hear from and to obey and to submit to. But, Do we trust him? He gives the Holy Spirit to enlighten his future church, the future church leaders of his departing. Now, Matthew 28, 18 through 19 says this. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So there it is, the infamous Great Commission. This is the thing that Jesus says to every believer everywhere to go and do. It's the sole mission for every follower of Christ. Every person who bows a knee to Jesus embraces this as their call to help others discover the fullness of Christ just like you have. That is the ultimate call. But the command comes with a promise. Matthew, that goes on to say in Matthew 28, 20, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So um, Jesus, I'm not sure what's going on. First you're going, You said, I'm leaving you, but now you're saying you're never going to leave us. Uh, Which one is it? Are you leaving or are you staying? Tell us so we can be prepared. But he says, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now let's go back to our initial verse to see the function of the Holy Spirit. Maybe we can get some answers to some of these things. What will the function of the Holy Spirit be? And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. He will convict the world of its sin. I don't know how long I went to church. I don't know how many times I heard someone talk about Jesus. I don't know how many times I, I, I experienced probably the gospel message being presented to me about how Jesus died for my sins, how God loves me. I don't know how many times I probably heard that growing up. I wasn't a Christian growing up. I didn't come from a Christian family. We didn't go to church. I started going to church because my friends invited me to their youth group and I started to go. I never even realized I wasn't a Christian. I thought I just was because I was an American and Americans are Christians. That's what I thought. I literally thought that. I'm American, I'm Christian. I didn't realize that I actually had to give my life to Jesus to actually be a follower of him. So all through my teenage years, nothing, heard the message, never even realized that wasn't me. I would just go out with my life partying and doing whatever I was doing. But it says, and then he, when he comes, he will convict the world. So as many times as I heard a person speak the message of God, nothing happened until the Holy Spirit convicted me of my sin. And I remember the moment very well. I was in the basement of the church that I was visiting. It was during my college years. And I was there and there was a girl that I had known as a friend of mine. She was young. She was being trained to be um, a a pastor. And so she was uh, in youth and a missionary. And so she was uh, preaching um, as part uh, part of her thing that she was doing to be trained. And so... 
Um, there I was listening to her. Now, the only reason I went there was just to see my old friends. I had no desire to be a Jesus follower. I had lived a total college life. I didn't care about anything that had to do with the Bible and Jesus. I just wanted to see my old friends. So there I was in the basement of this church, just sitting in the back, waiting for it to be over. And then that moment, Jesus decided through the Holy Spirit to wreck my life forever in every best way. Right there, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. And, and the message was, I, this, there are very few messages in my whole life that I remember. I remember that message. And that message was, she was talking about how Pharaoh, um, in the Old Testament, his heart was hardened. And she said, the longer you deny God in your life, the harder your heart becomes and the more God is going to have to do to get your attention. And right there, God opened my eyes and said, Mike, you are so hardened to me. And I cried. I am not, if you know me, I am not a crier. I am not a crier. I cried at Terminator 2. That's about it. <laughs> when he has to dump himself in the lava and he gives the thumbs up, I'm like, <laughs> Arnold, no, not the lava. That's it. Other than that, it was that and when I met Jesus. So Terminator and Jesus, the only two times I've ever cried in my life. Um, but so that moment, I'm, cry I'm like, I realize, God, in this moment, this is, this is the verse living itself out in my life. And when he comes, he will convict. Might as well change from the world to say Mike. He convicted Mike of my sin. He, can, he showed me God's righteousness and he showed me the coming judgment. I needed Jesus. I was a sinner without him. And if I didn't follow him, if I didn't give my life to him, then I was going to be judged and it would be, a, it would be bad news upon my death. Hopefully these disciples remember Jesus' words when, they, when he promised the Holy Spirit because they were going to go and fulfill their role as evangelists, sharing their faith in Christ with the world. And, then, and the Holy Spirit comes to season those words. The person that spoke to me, the person that was preaching that message, without the Holy Spirit seasoning her words and making them real to me, it would have been nothing. It would have, I wouldn't have given a rip. It wouldn't have been anything but empty words. So as the disciples speak, and as you speak, when you share the message of God... The Spirit convicts the hearers of their sin. You don't. Which means he will call to account those that are guilty. So you don't have to. Let, let's be honest. You don't have to call people account. The Holy Spirit does that. As the Spirit reveals their guilt, he reveals Jesus as their righteousness, which means that's their right standing with God. As their sin is exposed and Jesus is clearly seen as the, one, as the only way out, it is realized that the consequences of our sin is hell. The judge has made his decision and declared his sentence. So in one miraculous moment in, in the life of every person, the, the Spirit of God will give an opportunity to come and be a follower of Jesus. Now, yes, you can deny that opportunity. I was given that opportunity in the basement of a church. I would probably, I, I was actually, I was given that opportunity a hundred other times. I just denied the Holy Spirit access to my heart and my heart became hardened and hardened and hardened and hardened. And then in that one moment, for some reason, I obeyed. And I heard God speak clearly to me. Now, without the Spirit, their words would be hollow, empty, and powerless. But with the advocate, with the helper, that's what that word literally means. Advocate means helper. He helps you meet Jesus. If you want to know who the Spirit is in very simple terms, the Holy Spirit helps people that don't know Jesus get to know him. And it helps people that know Jesus get to know him better. That's what his role is. His role is to help us know Jesus. First um, Thessalonians 1, 2 through 10 says this. We always thank God for all of you and pray for you constantly. As we pray to our God and Father about you, we think, uh, we think of your faithful work, your loving deeds, and the enduring hope you have because of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
We know, dear brothers and sisters, that God loves you and has chosen you to be his own people. For when we brought you the good news, it was not only our, with, with words, it was not only with words, but also with power. Check this out. For the Holy Spirit gave you full assurance that what we said was true. And you know that our concern from you, for you from the way we lived when we were with you. So you receive the message with joy from the Holy Spirit in spite of severe suffering it brought you. So to be a follower of Jesus for whatever they were going through, whatever culture they were in, whatever they were doing, it caused them suffering to follow Jesus. But because the Spirit had been so convicting and so powerful in their life that it didn't matter. They followed him anyway because it was true. It, wasn't, it was true in their hearts. In this way, you, init- you imitated both us and the Lord. As a result, you have become, now this is the result of the Holy Spirit in their life. As a result, you have become an example to all believers in Greece, throughout Macedonia and Achaia. And now the word of the Lord is ringing out from you to people everywhere, even beyond Macedonia and Achaia. For wherever we go to find people telling us about your faith in God, we don't need to tell them about it. For they keep talking about the wonderful welcome you gave us and how you turned away from idols to serve the living and true God. There was a physical, actual um, something that happened within their lives that they turned away from the things they used to serve to serve Jesus and everyone took notice. Those guys are different. Something happened. The whole culture is doing all of this, but these guys are doing something completely different. There's something different about them. Jesus, whom God raised from the dead, uh, I'm sorry, and they speak of how you are looking forward to the coming of God's Son from heaven, Jesus, whom God raised from the dead. He is the one who has rescued us from the terrors of the coming judgment. Now, I want you to notice something at the end. They're actually looking forward to Jesus coming back, who is the, who is the one who rescued them from judgment. Everything the Holy Spirit promised was promised to do, Jesus departs, is exactly what he is accomplishing here. Sin, Jesus salvation. The Spirit of God is providing them with the means to be able to meet and follow Jesus. Uh, We should be be thoroughly encouraged by this. Uh, The mission is to share the truth of Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, but if you've ever tried to share the truth of who Christ is with others, I've done it before. I I was with someone yesterday. I was helping somebody move, and one of the people that were moving with us, um, helping us move, um, wasn't a Christian, and we had a great conversation, and I shared my testimony and talked to them, and I asked them, like, where do you stand with that kind of stuff? Like, what do you think about it? And they shared with me what they thought, um, which was very contrary to where I was, but we just had a great conversation. But the, the truth is, is that I was not going to, t- I wasn't, I told them what, who God is, what God says, what the Bible says, how I follow it and how I see it. And then I just prayed I, as I'm, as I'm speaking, I'm like, God, would you just, con- just, if you will, if this is the moment that you convict him, that would be sweet. But if it's just a seed that's planted in his heart and someday, sometime later comes to fruition, that would be sweet too. But it was just an, an, a really great experience. Um, I didn't feel the pressure of making sure he believed me because the spirit does that. The spirit does, does the work. All I had to do was share my heart, share my life and share the gospel and let God do the work if he chose that moment to do it. And he was, let me be honest with you. He was doing the work. He was hoping and trying to get that, that, that guy to hear what I was saying so that he could be a follower of Jesus as well. Just like I had heard the message a hundred times before. So I think sometimes you can take the pressure off. There's two, there's two responses that most Christians will have when they begin to share the gospel. One is you inadvertently and you inappropriately take credit for when somebody does listen and you think it's because of your really excellent way of sharing it. It wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't. 
It was because the Holy Spirit used your not-so-excellent way of sharing it and used you in spite of who you are, not because of who you are. (laughs) Number two, people will often become defeated and feel depressed because people don't listen, because you don't think you're good enough at sharing it, and then they stop sharing it because they feel like all they do is get in arguments and and they're frustrated when they've forgotten that the Spirit does the work, not them. Those are the two responses. It's pride or defeat. Both of those things are equally as sinful because we're not allowing the Spirit to do what the Spirit has been asked to do. Um, I did want to focus on another thing that the Spirit does real quickly. Because not only does the Spirit convict us, but the Spirit comforts us. Acts 9.31 says, The church then had peace throughout Judea. Galilee and Samaria, and it became stronger as the believers lived in fear of the Lord. And then it says, and the encouragement of the Holy Spirit, and with the encouragement of the Holy Spirit, it also grew in numbers. You see, the Holy Spirit had to encourage uh, the people that were following God because they were getting, they were getting murdered, they were getting martyred, they were getting uh, uh, um, uh, uh, put in prison, incarcerated. They were, they were uh, being beaten just because of who they were and, and because they loved Jesus. And so he needed to constantly encourage them and say, guys, this is a worthy mission. Jesus is still, he's still alive and well. Don't, don't be depressed. Don't get down on yourself. Keep moving, keep going, keep speaking, keep sharing, keep going with the race I've called you to. It says they were walking in fear of the Lord. That by the way, does not mean that they were afraid of God. Fear of the Lord is a respect and a reverence. It's kind of like when you see someone in authority, when you see, um, uh, unless, you're, unless you've done something wrong, for the most part, police officers, are, are protect, they protect you. Now, if you've done something wrong and you see one, then you want to run. I get that. You know, I've been on that side too. But for the most part, when I see a police officer, I'm like, hey, that, you know, when you're speeding, when you're spe- you know. When you pass a cop and you're like, oh, 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 slow down, slow down. Like he already knows what you've been doing. If you see the cop, he already knows. Don't trick yourself into thinking you slowing down, you're tricking him. You know, please. I do that all the time too, so I'm with you. Um, by the time you see him, he's seen you for miles. But, um, but when you, if you're not speeding, guess, guess who doesn't care when they pass a cop? The guy who's not speeding. He's like, hey, there's a cop. Just going to keep going what I'm doing because I'm not fearful of being caught by anything. Uh, that's the same thing that they felt. When you talk about reverence and fear of God, you're talking about the idea that this, um, that they were, they, they didn't have fear of God, but they were reverent of him. They recognized his power and submitted themselves to it and knew that within that they were safe. Um, the focal point for us today in our study, though, is that the, the Holy Spirit comforted or encouraged the church. And, and, what is, and what this means is that while they were in the midst of being threatened, beaten, mocked, and betrayed, the Holy Spirit kept their minds on the things of Christ. He didn't want them to get sidetracked from their mission. So whenever they were looking to throw a little pity party, they would have someone to help them remember who it was they were serving, who was Christ, and what was awaiting them in heaven, which was eternal life. The Holy Spirit would put the words of Christ in, them, in their minds and hearts to keep them motivated to continue making disciples, no matter what. So I've already asked the question, but it's the question of the morning. Are you willing to trust the Holy Spirit? Are you willing to submit to the Holy Spirit? When he convicts your heart of things that you're doing, some people call, call that your conscience. I call it the Holy Spirit. As for a believer, the Holy Spirit will convict you and will show you and reveal to you the things that you're not doing so great at. And I want you to know that this is really important for some of you. There's a big difference between condemnation and conviction. This is the easiest way to know which is which. 
Conviction will always draw you closer to God. Condemnation will always push you away. If you're feeling condemned, you won't want to go to him. You'll feel like, I don't deserve it. I shouldn't go. He doesn't want me there. I'm just a useless, pointless piece of junk that's on this planet. But conviction says, I'm not doing this right, but with God's help, I could. But I, earn, I, 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 want, I want God to, to do something in me, so I'm going to go to him to repair that broken part of me. Conviction draws you in to who God is. Condemnation pushes you out. And, and makes you isolated. That's the easiest way. So when you're in a difficult spot or dealing with something that's really hard for you, look at your response and you'll know which one you're feeling. If it makes you draw away from God, it's condemnation. If it makes you draw close to God, it's conviction. And you can easily switch from one to the other. When you're feeling condemned, you can say, God, this, because it says this, there's no condemnation for those that are following Christ. The Bible says that there is no condemnation all of the suffering, all of the heartache, all of the hurt, all of the pain was put on Jesus. You don't get any of it. So as a Christian, you should never feel condemned. You should feel convicted. You should never feel condemned. Um, however, um, now we've read a lot about the Holy Spirit uh, this morning, but, uh, it, but if we believe these accounts, if we believe what this says about it, we would expect a great deal of the Holy Spirit. He would, n- he would not be the most forgotten member of the Trinity, whom we occasionally give a nod to of appreciation. Thanks, Holy Spirit, for whatever you do. Now we know what he does. Sometimes, unfortunately, we act like he's that family member we don't really want to be around. Oh, they're going to be at the wedding? Oh, do we have to go? Honey, can we just be sick that day? Bring a napkin home from school, and I'll just put it on my face all night, and maybe I'll get a cold from your kids. Something, something, please. Please, I don't, that's how we kind of treat it. He's this guy we're not really sure about. But now you know, now you know who he really is. Um, so one of the fantastic things that stood out to me as I was studying for this um, was the closing part of our initial verse. Um, and it comes from John um, 6, 12 through 15. It says, there, was, there is so much more I want to tell you, but I can't bear it now. When the spirit of truth comes, which he's talking about the Holy Spirit, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about Um, he will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you what he receives from me. So Jesus is the one directing the things that the Spirit of God is going to share. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. The role, if you have a Bible and you've got it open and you're reading this, underline this. The role of the Spirit is to make the Son famous. That's it. In a nutshell, the role of the Holy Spirit is to make the Son of God, Jesus, famous. He is not in it for his own glory, but he functions as and is solely responsible for a person declaring Jesus their Lord. So did you see that? The Son of God, or the role of the Spirit is to make the Son of God famous. So if you've been walking with God for a long time, the Holy Spirit comforts you by settling your mind on the heart of Christ. If you've never given your life to Christ and repented of your sins to him, the Holy Spirit is the one who will reveal that truth to you. I want to close with this. 1 Corinthians 12, 1 through 3 says this. It says, Now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about the special abilities the Spirit gives you, I don't want you to misunderstand this. You know that when you were still pagans, you were led astray and swept along in worshiping speechless idols. So I want you to know that no one speaking, this is really important, no one speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. 
This is so stinking encouraging. No matter how hard you try, church, listen, no matter how hard you try, people are not ultimately responding to you. Stop being so offended. Just chill out. They're not responding to you. They're not. You need to write that somewhere. Those of you that are just, are just frustrated, and so I, I know it. I know, that some, I know that in a room like this, there's gotta be. So when you think about sharing your faith and sharing the gospel, put a note somewhere that you can see it. Ask the person to hold it. <laughs> just hold this for me as I talk to you so I can remember this. Okay, that's weird. What's it say? It's not about you. I don't know what that means. Okay. They aren't responding to you. They're responding to God. This means we cannot take credit when people embrace the gospel. This means that you should not take it personally when others reject the gospel. They are not rejecting you. They're rejecting God and they need your patience. They need your patience, not your pity. Your patience. The biggest thing that I needed my whole teenage life through my three years of college before I met Jesus, I had a friend, his name was Mike, and he was a Christian. His patience with me was astounding. I did the most jacked up, butt-headed things a kid could ever do, and my Christian friend loved me. He would pray for me. He would call me to check on me. I had the worst mouth on the planet, and he just shrugged his shoulders and let me be who I needed to be in front of him. He, wa- he wasn't offended by me, but I know that he loved me and he wanted me to know who God was. So he remained in my life as a security for me to know, Mike, I'm, he was the words of Jesus. Mike, I will never leave you or forsake you. I don't care what you do. I don't care what you make of your life. I don't care what you look like, sound like, or, or smell like. I will always be your friend. If I can be honest, that's what the world needs from us. Some of us need to take ourselves off of that big pedestal and go right back to where we belong and realize that we just aren't that great. Patience. God is so patient with us. Did I need to know the truth of God's word? Absolutely. Did Mike share with me the truth of God's word? You better believe it. He shared with me what God says. He shared with me the things that I needed to adjust in my life, but Ultimately, he told me I just need to know who Christ is. And then Christ did all the work after that. When I went back to school, after I, got, after I became a Christian, my life was different. No one had to tell me to make it different. The Spirit of God told me to make it different. Listen to this, 1 Corinthians 3.16. Don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God and the Spirit of God lives in you? The literal presence of God lives inside of each one of you in this room that call Christ your Savior. Now, I like to do this once in a while with verses that I read, and I just wanted to play this out for you. Maybe you can do this at home when you're reading the Bible and something sticks out to you. This is a really cool thing to do. So God lives in you right at the end of that. Take take that and let's accentuate each word separately. So God lives in you. God lives in you. God lives in you, and God lives in you. All of those things, every single word is equally as powerful. 
For those of us that have been walking with Jesus for any amount of time, I think uh, we believe this, but I'm, I'm just not convinced we've internalized the truth and enjoyed the Spirit's blessings as he intends. At best, this idea has settled into our brains and is simply head knowledge, but has the Spirit made such a difference in your life that, you are, that if you were to have him removed, you'd even notice? Would your life begin to unravel because the Spirit of truth is no longer residing inside of you, or have you ignored his presence for so long that you and no one around you would notice? Those are questions I ask myself when I can't sleep at 3 o'clock in the morning. Do you need some encouragement? God's spirit can speak to your heart, but be prepared to accept his mission because his ultimate desire is to make the name of Jesus known, which means that when you begin to allow the spirit to speak to you, he's going to say things like, you should be talking to this person a little bit more about me. And when you're at work, it's not about the paycheck as much. And when you're over here and when you're in line and you're really patient with the person that's, that's um, you know, behind the desk and, and behind the counter and they're not going as fast as you want them to, chill out. The Holy Spirit will begin to say those kind of things to you. He'll begin to say things like, calm down. They need a different you to represent me than this. They need something different than what everyone else does when they're upset with the person behind the desk. Do you need some conviction? Are you feeling lethargic and and stale in your faith as the Holy Spirit reveals Jesus to you? Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal Jesus to you. Ask him to fill your heart with the love that you once had for him. Here's what you have to do. Ask him. How simple is that? Ask him. Just say, Spirit, would you reveal Christ to me? Would you refresh me? Would you show me where I'm faulty? Would you show me what I'm susceptible to so that I can follow you and I can ward off those things? Would you just be honest with me, Spirit of God? Just have at it. Because I trust you. I trust your words. I trust your motives. And I trust your character. The Holy Spirit, when we go to him, will remind us of Jesus and the prize that awaits us in heaven. This will enable us to endure this world because it's the next one that we will discover true rest. I just want to close in prayer. And before we do, though, I want to ask you, which, which one do you need the most of? Are you feel defeated today? Do you feel frustrated and maybe maybe a little bit useless, maybe a little bit powerless, uh, maybe a little bit um, hurt, bothered, whatever. You just need some encouragement, some comfort. Then that's what you need to ask the Spirit for. He's the direct line for that comfort. Do you need some conviction? Are you allowing sin in your life to just run rampant and you're really not that convicted about it? You don't really think it's that big of a deal. you're, You're kind of at a place where you want to want to make it a big deal, but you haven't made it a big deal. Ask God, say, God, convict me. Don't let me get away with this. Don't let me settle for junky faith. Don't let me settle for what I'm willing to give. Push me and and, and pursue me and chase after me so that I can give you what you deserve. And especially if you're in this place and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you've never given him your life. You've never even considered making him um, the Lord of your life. You've never even considered that you needed to ask for forgiveness. Then I would ask you um, to be so bold as to just say, God, I've never met you. I don't know you. I I didn't even know I needed to do all this stuff, but would you reveal yourself to me? Would you show me who Jesus is? Because if I really do need him and this guy talking up here isn't a big joker, then maybe I should get on board with that. So let's pray. And whichever one you're at, I'm just going to close in prayer, but I'm going to ask you to pray. Um, I'm going to spend, I'm going to have like a few seconds of silence in the beginning for you to just pray on your own. And you ask God right now, you ask God for what you need from him, conviction or comfort.
Spirit of God, I pray that you would convict your church, that you would hold us accountable for the way we act, for the things that we say, that we wouldn't allow ourselves the privilege to say whatever we want because we believe that they're right, but that we would be seasoned with the patience and the, the courtesy that you would want us to give to people that have no idea who you are, God. Help us to not find our relationship with you as a means to find ourselves in some elite group of people that you love more than others, God. But help us to see it as a privilege and as a, as a responsibility to help others to see who you truly are. God, I pray that um, those that need comfort today, God, that they would go to you, Holy Spirit, that your spirit, God, would comfort and encourage, not just encourage those going through difficult times, but encourage those um, that are frustrated, encourage those um, that are hurt, encourage those that got bad, some bad news this week, and encourage each of us, God, but ultimately, through your encouragement, I pray that you would remind us of who Jesus is. Just like your word says that your role is to make the son famous. So God, I pray that all the things that we deal with would be trumped by who Jesus is and they wouldn't be as bad. They wouldn't seem as difficult because we have Christ. Help us to do that in a very real way, God. Whatever each person needs in this place, I pray that your spirit would supply it. In Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said, amen. Awesome. Well, you guys are free to go. And uh, just pray for Pastor Bard and his family that they would get the rest and, uh, and just the, the relaxation that they need to come back refreshed and lead us as our, as our pastor. God bless you guys.